Welcome everyone to uh, this new episode of Let's Talk Local. With me here today, I have Jason Bernard, the brand syrup guy. Um, and I'll actually let you introduce yourself to our listeners. All right, brilliant. Thank you very much, Eric, for having me. Uh, I am indeed the brand syrup guy. Uh, syrup is search engine results page, as you probably already know. Brand is a brand, a brand name, a company, but it can also be a person's name. It can be a music group. We have a music group here called the Pascal Brothers. More about that in a moment. And my speciality in SEO is to optimize what appears when somebody Googles your brand name, i.e. your company name, your personal name. If you're a music group, your music group name, your album name, a movie name. These are all, for me, brand sets. But most of the time, I deal with companies because they've got the money to pay me. Um, and I start specializing in that. And it's, it's a niche in the sense that I don't think anybody else in the industry is focusing on this uh, this much. I'm saying Google is your new business card. In local, you could even say it's your homepage. Uh, I'm also saying that you need to you need to educate Google. Uh, you need to teach it who you are, what you do, and who your audience is, so that it can present you to your audience in the manner that suits you. Because Google just wants to actually present you to your audience in a manner that helps them. And what helps them should also suit you theoretically. Uh, and a lot of that comes into knowledge panels. More about that in a moment. And the reason I started doing this was because I actually had quite a career. I started off in another music group. Then I did a cartoon online. I was a blue dog in a TV series, Cartoon Blue Dog. Uh, it was online and also offline. We had a TV series with uh, ITV International. And... When I started working in digital marketing, people would search my name and they would see the Blue Dog and the punk folk music group with me going like that into the into the camera, uh, playing a music, playing a big double bass and shouting a lot on videos. Um, and I couldn't get any work as a digital marketer. So I thought I'll clean that up and I'll make it represent me the way I want it to represent me. And today that's my speciality. And basically I help brands to and people, famous people, not so famous people, to make sure that Google represents them in a way that helps them at the given time, uh, over time. It's their business card, and I think you can design that business card. That's great. I would actually not mind if uh, I would come up as a musician and cartoon character if someone Googled my name, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I was desperate for money. Uh, and when you're pitching to a company saying, I'll look after your brand name, I'll make you look really good, I'll help you with your SEO, they look at that and they say, I'm not giving my digital strategy to a blue dog. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, interesting enough, and that's a really important point, in fact, is that the music, the music group, the Barking Dogs, and the blue dog are still on my brand SERP. So it's not I got rid of them, but they're a small part of my brand SERP. They're part of my history, part, mm. not part of my present. And that's yeah. vital. It's saying, what's important today? If people want to dig into my past, they certainly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, like the topic for today is uh, going to be uh, if the knowledge panel and Google My Business are the antagonists or BFFs. Um, right. Oh, and one thing to clarify right at the beginning is a lot of people talk about the Google My Business local business panel mm -hmm. as a knowledge panel. And that's slightly confusing, in my opinion, because that local business listing, the Google My Business listing, is something that you directly inject with your own information, something you control. It's a local business listing. It isn't understanding in the sense that the knowledge panel is Google representing to your audience its users 
its understanding of this entity mm -hmm. and you don't have direct control. You can only influence it. And part of what I do on BrandSerps is help brands both manage their Google My Business, which you can do directly, but also manage the knowledge panel, which you can do indirectly. All right, so the knowledge panel, just to get people to understand, the knowledge panel is not as easy to uh, control, or is it like, uh, for example, the Google My Business, today you can go in and, and change your information and uh, control it. Uh, how is it with the, with the knowledge panel? Well, what's interesting there, and it's a, it's a great question, is that there isn't an interface to go in and change it. But if you know where Google's getting its information from, you can pretty much change what you want. Um, mm. So it's indirect, as I said. You don't go into an interface. What you do is find where Google's getting this information from, and you update that information. Uh, and the lo long story short, obviously, your dream is that it gets the information for your own, from your own website. And that gives you very close indirect control. And from my perspective, for my own name, for example, I pretty much that. And what that does, it actually feeds into the wider SEO world, is that once Google trusts you as an authority on yourself, which sounds slightly strange, because you are by nature the authority on yourself, but once Google trusts you to tell the truth about yourself, to represent yourself truthfully on your own website, to it and to your users, to your audience, it will start to feed into all the sorts of results around you, a lot of the things that you're saying yourself. And that's, I think, long-term, I and mean, we're still at the beginning of this kind of idea that Google understands us much in the way that a human being understands the world. But this is where we're going. It's saying your primary foundational building block will be that Google understands you on your terms. And on your terms means that it believes what you say on your own website. We had a, takes me into, we had a, before this interview, we had a short discussion about uh, all your thoughts. You have very interesting thoughts about, about Google and how, yep. how, how the future will look like. Um, you said something about that, uh, Google Business is uh, still like in the very like, early phase, and could it be that it's actually a proof of concept? Yeah, uh, yeah. Could, you, you, could you elaborate on that? Well, the bit? proof of concept. It was it was a delightful conversation I was having with Bill Slavsky. I talk a lot with Bill Slavsky when I get the opportunity because he's a brilliant guy, and I was talking about knowledge graphs and the knowledge graph. Now, really quickly, the knowledge graph is Google's understanding of the world. And it's basically an encyclopedia that's machine readable in real time that the algorithms can use just like you use your own memory. So my whole principle here, my whole aim is saying we need to educate this knowledge graph. And that knowledge graph, just look at Google as a child. It wants to learn. All you've got to do is teach it. And your responsibility is to teach about your little corner of the universe. Mm. And that's where I was saying, you know, if it comes to your site and says, okay, this looks right, and you have that kind of power of control, which is incredibly important. But the, the thing with Bill Slavsky is I had a quote that I talked to him about from a guy who's now Amazon, who came from, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but basically he said, Google My Business, Google Maps, sorry, Google Maps, let's be clearer, is a knowledge graph, a fully functioning knowledge graph that can solve geospatial queries it has never seen before 
in real time. Ooh. And that basically means that what Google did with Google Maps, it drove around the world in its little cars taking pictures, mapped out the world, got you guys to all put your businesses on or put it on by force if you didn't want mm. to put it on yourself, and got you to fill in all the information to create a very, very, very detailed knowledge graph of the world business bricks and mortar. And you say, wow, it's astonishing how powerful this is. And a really quick story is that I was with a friend a few years ago after a gig, in fact, and we were driving out of Lyon in the south of France. And somebody said to us, don't go out now because it's going to be loads of kind of traffic jams. It's going to be terrible. You'll never get out. It's going to take you three or four hours just to get out of the city. And we said, I will go anyway because we want to get home. And it took us literally 40 minutes, so three, four times faster. And what I noticed is we were using Google Maps and we took this incredibly tortuous little route. And the same car was behind us the entire way on this mm. totally improbable, impossible route to get out of the city. And what was happening is Google was doing this kind of real-time policing warden-y thing where it was sending us down these paths that it could see weren't blocked up. And presumably people four or five cars down behind were going down a different path. And that is solving this geospatial problem of getting from A to B in real time using the real-time traffic information from all these Android phones that were desperately using Google Maps to get out of this town. Um, and that just shows you how incredibly powerful this, uh, this knowledge graph is in that situation. Now think about what that's going to be like in the real world with everything in it and not just local businesses. It's got pop stars. It's got music groups. It's got products. It's got prices. It's got offers. It's got you. It's got me. It's got my blue dog. It's got my band from the 90s. Mm. And what struck me is that I was going, wow, isn't Google Maps amazing? And Bill, Bill just went... Yeah, but it's only a proof of concept. It's the mm -hmm. proof of concept of the full-scale knowledge graph that is coming. It's tiny. It isn't such a big deal. It was their first step towards building the big one. Mm. So it's uh, that's so interesting. So it's connecting the sort of the online world to the offline world. Very good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I mean, in local business, once again, I talked to Greg Gifford about this stuff. And I do love the fact that, you know, from my perspective, coming from the world of SEO into the world of entity-based SEO and the knowledge graph and brand SERPs even, local businesses have been doing this for years. You know, you, you care about what appears when somebody Googles your brand name. That's your homepage. You care about this knowledge graph, which is certainly a proof of concept, but it's still a knowledge graph, and it's the best one we've got so far. So it's a really great example. You guys have got really the jump on the rest of us, which is brilliant. Oh, and bringing offline online, which is what you've been doing for years as well. Mm -hmm. That's happening now too. And I kind of went, oh, bring the offline online. He went, yeah, of course, obvious. So from my perspective, you know, I'm, I'm a few years behind you, but I'm catching up. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, and I love what you said before also about the approach like about Google, it, it wants to make it as easy as possible for everyone. Uh, like you, it's not as as common as before, but like a few years ago, it was often you you could uh, you've met some freelancers or agencies that tried to like they told their clients that they could uh, like hack the hack the regulations, like hack to get uh, you know get. It feels like you need to understand that you you need Google is your best friend. You just need to understand how to how to be the best friend with Google, uh, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and and that, that point that Google's just trying to make life easy, not for everybody, 
I would take mm. um, objection. I don't know how you say that, but to that particular point, it's trying mm. to make life easy for its users. It's mm. not trying to make life easy for you. No, true. Yeah. And if you want to win the win the Google game, you help Google to make life easy for the subset of its users that are your audience. Mm -mm. And so basically, if you want to play the Google game the right way, let's say, you would then be making sure that Google understands who your audience is, what you can offer to them, and under what circumstances that offer is going to be valuable and helpful to them and solve their problem. Because when they're searching on Google, they're expressing a problem they need a solution for or a question they need the answer to. And Google's aim is to get them to that answer or that solution as efficiently as it possibly can. And what it's then doing, and this is beautiful, it piggybacks off your great content, off your great site, to impress its users with its brilliance at finding this great solution that is you. So basically, you're building this con content to say to Google, this is a great solution. You need to package it so Google understands that it's a great solution for the subset of its users that are your audience in the circumstances they find themselves when they make that search. If you can do that, Google will present you as the recommended best solution, and then you're gonna win. You're the brand SERP guy, so who better ask? But uh, like the the interface for search with the SERP uh, has has like from the beginning, the local search, they weren't really like connected to each other, right? Uh, but right. they're getting more and more integrated into each other. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think it kind of, if you look back historically, and, and I think it's really useful to look at Google where it's coming from and where it's going to. Mm. And where it's coming from is this list of blue links, which is a, a list of recommended resources ordered by what it thinks is probably the best order. You click on it, you check it, you come back. If it's not any good, you click on the next one and so on and so forth. That was 10 years ago. Google is now um, able to do that much, much better to the point at which we no longer go beyond page one very often. And it's moving towards this idea of being able to, with featured snippets, with the knowledge panels, being able to produce the exact best answer in one go, at which point it becomes an assistive engine. It, it, it starts as search, goes on to answer, which is where we're at now. Next is assistive. It's going to basically say to us, this is what you were looking for, even though you didn't know it. And they go on and on about Star Trek. And if you look at that, you know, when Captain Kirk is about to leave the spaceship and he's not bothered taking his stun gun with him, the machine says to him, you better take your stun gun, you're going to need it. So the, the machine is assisting him in his life with something that he was going to ask the machine for in 10 minutes when he met the aliens on the planet. Um, so we're looking at this idea of assistive engine where the machine will be able to answer your questions, solve your problems before you even know you've got them. And from that perspective, you, you have, I mean, we move on to in, incredible kind of possibilities. Google Discover is basically that. That's what Google Discover is. It's this social engine, but, you know, it, it's, it's like social media pushing this content towards you, but it's saying this is content you will be interested in, potentially content you will need. Um, and from, from that perspective, coming back a step, you look at the 10 blue links, they started in oh, they, five, six years ago, they started putting in these rich elements, which are video boxes and carousels and uh, featured snippets, and people also ask. And the aim here is to provide the user with different formats in which to consume 
and to avoid necessarily having to click on the results to get the information. Uh, and a lot of people say that's unfair. That's a kind of debate that I, I wouldn't have with you right now. But uh, what it's trying to do, and that's kind of where it's useful, is to think it's trying to solve its users' problems as efficiently as it possibly can. Mm. And if that means keeping them on the SERP, that means keeping them on the SERP. You're not going to change that. You need to think, where can I use Google as this you know, promotional platform? Mm. And, and think, actually, they're Google's users. They're not mine. They're my audience, sure. Yeah. But they're Google's users. And I'm asking Google to recommend me on its machine where it has pretty much 90% of the market. Mm. If I want that, I have to demonstrate to Google that my solution is the most appropriate for its user. The engine that uh, a company is, is working with when they work uh, with SEO uh, to get the good results in the SERP, is it the same engine that works with the, with the local information that's in Google My Business, or is it the interface that is mid, uh, like, uh, is it an interface or is it the same engine or how, how, how does it work? Right. I'm sorry. I, I actually forgot that was the question. I got carried away with my answer. I, I don't know if that, that was the question. It was, the... in fact, the initial question. Okay. So <laughs> I will answer the initial question. I wasn't avoiding it. Um, is I talked to Frederick Deboe from Bing, um, and I did a series of articles on team leads at Bing explained to me basically how the whole thing functions. That was mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And a lot of people said, but that's Bing. It's not Google. I don't care. And Gary Ely, I mean, I've been saying for the last couple of years, but it has to work the same. They've got the same data set, the same aim, the same audience, i.e. people using search, um, the same technologies. It, they're not going to reinvent the wheel totally. Mm. It, they're going to come to more or less the same conclusions and function in more or less the same manner. And Gary Elias recently on um, Off the Record podcast said, and I quote more or less, all of the engines work more or less the same. So what Bing tell us is pretty much applicable to Google, obviously not in the details. But Frederic Debu, who is the core algorithm team lead, explained to me how the Blue Link algorithm works. That's the, the traditional one that we've been using for years and years and years. And he said multiple things to me, one of which is the, um, all, all of these rich elements, the SERP features come in. They don't they're not going to replace the Blue Links because the Blue Links remain the foundation. And you can't take away the foundations of a house and expect it to keep standing up. And also, the blue links give them the excuse to put the ads on. So you have this blue link algorithm. And Gary Illich, in fact, explained to me two years ago in a, in a, in a conference that all of the other, basically, you've got multiple verticals, which is videos, maps, um, travel, images, news, so on and so forth. They all have... Basically, it's a modular system where they base themselves on the core algorithms within the main algorithm and do this modular thing of saying, well, I need that bit, I need that bit, but I'm going to use it slightly differently. And so, it, obviously, they all have separate algorithms in the sense that they function differently, but they're all based on the same group of algorithms with adaptations that they use within their own vertical. Mm. So we can basically assume that they all... Uh, they're all using the same data. They're all using the same basic systems of algorithms with different weightings, different factors, different metrics, and produce results that compete 
for a place on that SERP in a Darwinistic manner. So the blue links will sit there and they'll say, okay, here's what, here's our result. And all the other ones will, will put in a, what Barrett, Gary Ellis was calling a bid. And it's say, I can bring this much value to the user. And if the score, the value of the bid for the value that the video's result would bring is bigger than the blue link, it gets placed. And the same would be true of Google, my business or Google Maps is basically if the bid put in by Google Maps is sufficiently high, you will get a map pack or a Google My Business. So the way these appear are based on the algorithms and the, um, the, in, the, the perceived intent of the query. And that intent can depend on the, what you actually typed as a query, but also your device, where you are, are you moving if you're using a mobile device, and so on and so forth. So you know that, that's packing an, an incredible amount of kind of understanding into one little short mm. chunk. But uh, what it comes down to, and here's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about, and it comes back to what you said earlier on, there's no point in competing for something for which you are not relevant and helpful. Because even if you get away with it today and you manage to rank and Google gets it wrong, once again, we're coming back to where's it going? It's going to get rid of you because you're not helping its user get to their solution as efficiently as they possibly can. So you will get thrown off eventually. So you can make short-term wins on these kind of tricks and, and, and tactics. But long-term, you have to say, where on Google SERP, in which circumstances will I be valuable and helpful and provide a relevant and efficient solution to its users? I need to aim for that because that's where Google's going. And I want to work towards where Google's going because that's where a long-term business is going to make big wins. If you fast forward a few years and let's say that that Google will uh, like the maybe the you won't have as much like power or like you maybe you can't control your Google business or how it's represented uh, as you can now. Let's say that Google decides what uh, in a, like more. Why is it important then to to do that now if Google anyway is gonna like uh, choose what's what's right or wrong or. Not right. Sure well, we, we've jumped rather neatly, or not neatly at all, in fact, from how ranking works to controlling your Google My Business. And, and this is going to be slightly contentious, I think, for a lot of people, is that what Google did, and I, we talked about it earlier on, is they built Google Maps. They then said, here are all these businesses. We create them automatically. We force you to actually fill in all this information. You fill it in, and we will represent your business on Google, which is a massive audience. And that's kind of free promotion using the Google Maps but you give us the information and we trust you to do that, more or less. And we will show what you tell us. What has been happening, and I probably a lot of people out there have been seeing this more and more, is Google is showing additional information that you didn't give it in Google My Business. Uh, sometimes it can be, for example, the CEO, or it could be your Twitter feed, or it could be your Facebook page, or it could be taken from the site, that little description that they often put in there. Um, that information is information that Google has got from other sources and is including it in your Google My Business panel. Now, where that becomes slightly interesting is that this is knowledge. It's understanding in the knowledge graph sense. So Google is saying, I have understood this, and I am sufficiently confident in that information to add it to your Google My Business panel, even though you didn't provide me with this piece of information. And what that then means is that this, I mean, I have a, uh, a knowledge panel and I filled it with this information in the indirect manner I explained earlier on. 
I have a certain amount of control. I, I can influence that very heavily. And where as Google My Business is going to tend towards that idea. It's going to move away from you provide the information and we display it to you provide the information, we'll display bits and bobs. Mm. But for the most part, we're going to try and make the decision ourselves. And there are multiple reasons for that. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example before I go on to the reasons for it. But one example is universities. If you search for a university, you will see a hybrid. And the hybrid will have the map, the photo, looks like a Google My Business. Then you've got CEO, or the, sorry, the, the, whatever they're called, the, the, the leader person, the professor, head professor, number of students, cost per year. And all of this is facts from the knowledge graph. It's going to have a description, and that description is right at the top. It's not at the bottom like it is often in Google My Business. And what Google has done is they've merged Google My Business with a knowledge panel. And so what that, that local business, because a university is, in its essence, a local business, it has control over, let's say, 30%. And the other 70% is knowledge-driven, whereas you have control of, let's say, 70%, and 30% is knowledge-driven. And that's going to flip little by little mm. for absolutely everybody. Um, not, I mean, I don't panic today. You don't need to panic about it today because for smaller businesses, it's going to take a lot of time, maybe five years down the line. But it's a good time to start thinking about it because if you want to control the 70%, that is generated by Google's knowledge graph and Google's understanding of the world, you need to start educating it now. You need to start. You don't have to educate it completely because it takes a, a long time. But if you start now and you make sure that it trusts your website as an authoritative source of information about your business, mm -hmm. you will have much more control over that 70%. So, in fact, that 30-70, 30% control, 70% no control will be 30% control and 70% you know, indirect semi-control, which isn't bad at all. Um, and I've demonstrated over the last few years that that, that semi-control, when you really work at it, is, is actually quite powerful. And I think one thing that a lot of people who work on their SEO in Google My Business and their local business don't really realize is that Google's problem is that some of you, or some of us, really work on it hard, and we make sure it's all correct, and, and then... It, it can show it with confidence to its users. But a lot of companies update it once and forget about it, yeah. or they don't update it at all, or they don't claim it. So let's say, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. This is totally made up. 80% of businesses <laughs> do not control what's shown in Google My Business. So Google My Business is actually full of junk. I can say that there's a lot of companies... Uh that you would guess, like, because they're big brands, that, so, like, of course, they have, have this situation under control. But a lot of them, when we start talking to them, you can see that uh, they they actually don't. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, the, the big brands, the sheer size of it means that nobody actually has control of that particular aspect. So nobody looks after it. Nobody centralizes the actual work on it, or it's left to individual mm. Uh, branches and nobody does it correctly or the, per <laughs> the person leaves uh, the shop and then nobody else picks it up. Or yeah, a yeah. local business is exactly the same. Mom and pop businesses say, well, oh, I've got better things to do. I've actually got to do the stock taking. I've got to do the accounts and they put that to one side. So mm -hmm. Google ends up with this massive information that isn't maintained by the human beings behind each business. And it's in a situation where it's saying, well, actually, I'm presenting information that I'm not sure is true. And if I can build a knowledge graph that I can believe reliably builds up this information by crawling the web and bringing 
the information together to establish fact, I can mm -hmm. replace these human beings who aren't actually doing such a very good job with my machine. Um, and so it's just as establishing trust between uh, Google and your website. You need to establish trust between Google and your Google Business account. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would suggest that managing your Google My Business account inc incredibly effectively over the next few years is going to be a big advantage when it comes to this, this new world that we're moving towards. It will be gradual and we probably won't really notice it. But your Google My Business is where Google is sure that you're feeding information explicitly to it in a format that it can basically pull in because it's, it's giving you the forms to fill in so it knows exactly how the data is structured and what, how the information should be fitted together. Then it's going to start comparing that to what you're showing on your website. So that absolutely has to match from now on in every detail because then it will start to match what, what it knows in a structured manner from Google My Business to what it sees on your website in an unstructured manner and say that's how it all maps together. And then it will say, oh, actually, yeah, this is all true, and it's true on both of them, and then I can corroborate that with all the information around the web about this company. Then I trust that website. Once I trust that website, I can start to fill in Google My Business from corroborated information from that authoritative source that is the website. And I do say corroborated. If you say something on your website, there has to be some sort of corroboration somewhere else on the web, so you need to make sure that you're not just speaking into a, a vacuum of just you saying something. How do you like uh, implement that into the organization? Because uh, of course you can you can use our tool to to get the foundation, get the get the stuff right. But that's just like uh, one layer. Uh, how do you get the, how do you get that into your marketing team or like uh, um... right? Well, I think kind of consistency is one of the hardest things for us to do as humans. Mm. Um, I, I, I know it's phenomenally hard, and I actually really try very hard. But for example, having the same person dealing with Google My Business as that same information on your website is a really good start. And it sounds obvious, but I'll bet my bottom dollar would go for 80% again. 80% of businesses have two different people doing that. Or it's being done by different people in a fragmented manner that means that none of it really ever matches up. And there's not even any real consistency within the website itself or within Google My Business. So um, having that centralized kind of person working on it, um, making sure that your brand or your company has, you know, a, a consistent set of rules as to how it's represented um, seems obvious once again. But, you know, defining what your brand message is, defining what, you, what, what, what description do you use for your brand? There's a really good one. If I, I mean, I, I've got a platform as well, CaddyCube Pro. And one of the things we do is trigger knowledge panels. And one of the things for tri triggering knowledge panels is what I call an entity home, which is basically that Google trusts your website as the source of information about yourself. You are the authority on yourself. So concept of entity home, incredibly important. Your or a web page on your website is the entity home where Google knows it's the go-to place to get information from you about yourself. Then it goes around the web and looks at all the other information about you that's fragmented and often contradictory and sometimes plain wrong. And if it can't match all this information to what it's seeing on your website, it lacks confidence in what you said. The more it can map it to what you said, the more that it all kind of fits together, the more it's consistent the more the machine will be confident in the information that you've given it. 
So that comes down to basically a glorified NAPS. It's more than just name, address, phone number. It's all the facts about you. And it's also the descriptive text about your company. And with CaliCube, the first thing we do is go around and check all of the profiles, all of the uh, directory pages, all of the review sites, all of the articles about a brand, and check if the description is the same. And the answer is, no, it never is. You write one description and use that one description absolutely everywhere as far as is reasonable, obviously, with the mm. audience, because sometimes you have to present yourself slightly differently. But people say, oh, duplicate content. But then you say, no, actually, that's not the problem. Duplicate content is all about Google wanting to give credit to the original creator of content. Here, we're saying duplicate of a description that describes an entity that Google's trying to understand. So if we come back to the child analogy, if you want a child to understand something, you say it this way, grandma says it this way, the policeman down the road says it this way, the teacher says it this way, and the headmistress says it this way. If they all say it in a different way, explain it differently, the child just gets totally confused. If they all say it with more or less the same words, more or less the same explanation, the child will understand, and more importantly, be incredibly confident in that understanding. That was a good, uh, good explanation of that problem, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it for the third time. I've been counting. The analogy of educating a child, you're the responsible adult in the room. Google yeah. is not a frightening machine. Google is a child who wants to learn. And it's up to you to teach it about your little corner of the internet. And one of those ways is Google My Business, another is your own website, another is all these references to you around the web. But if you can educate the child starting today, the child will understand you, it will understand when you're going to be appropriate for its users, it's going to understand who you are, what you do, and who your audience is, and it will represent you accurately when people search your brand name, but it will also understand when you're going to be an effective solution for its users. And that question of confidence is something I think is often overlooked and underestimated, is that, you know, we all understand stuff. It's our confidence in that understanding that makes us shout about it. It's that confidence that makes us push it out there and, and use it in an effective manner. And Google's the same. It's looking to be convinced that that information is true so that when it does show that information to its users, it's incredibly confident that it's telling them the truth and that it is truly going to be helpful to them. Before, uh, before rounding up, um, do you know... Um, what like what signals from the local stuff uh, is the most important when it comes to the to the SERP uh, or the knowledge panel or what's like is there any signals you know from Google My Business that it's more important to to be relevant? Uh... Well, I'm afraid there's no real one rule fits all. What what's delightful about brand SERPs is when I talk to people about it, they say, "Yeah, simple. I rank number one. I've got my Google My Business sorted out. Job done." And then you start looking down the rest of the SERP, and you've got, you've got video boxes, or you don't. If you don't have video boxes, you're investing in video, then you should, you should start investing properly in video, make better videos, get more engagement, because Google doesn't see that those video boxes are going to be helpful and useful to your audience, just an example. Um, but you, know, you want to be looking at what appears on your brand SERP, which is not only the first page, but also the second, third, fourth, fifth pages. And ask yourself, take a big step back and ask yourself, why is Google showing this and not something else? If I don't think this is relevant and helpful and valuable to my audience, 
why does Google think it is? And how can I convince it that it's got it wrong and there's something else that's more helpful, valuable, and relevant to my audience when they search my brand name on Google? Um, and what I'm basically saying is use your brand search as an analysis of where Google is looking, how it's interpreting, and what it thinks is truly important to your audience, and start to build your entire digital strategy from there, because you'll be fixing all the things that have gone wrong, and you'll be helping Google to understand and be confident in that understanding, and little by little, it will end up showing the content that is truly valuable, helpful, and useful to your audience. And at that point, not only do you control, control your Google business card, you also have a massively improved digital ecosystem and content strategy. How will people, if they want to, to follow you, do you, can, do you have any channels or where can they find you to, oh. to get a pic of your brain like this every now and then to follow your... Uh, well, <laughs> if you search... Yeah, well, if you search Jason Barnard, of course, you get all the choice <laughs> in the world because the whole thing is designed to allow you to interact with me in the manner that you choose. So you start at the top with my site. Underneath that is Twitter boxes. I like Twitter, so Google puts the Twitter boxes. I engage with my audience there. There's a knowledge panel on the right-hand side, so you can click on the links there and find out more about the songs I wrote, The Blue Dog, uh, the albums I've made, and so all the information about who my mother is, if you're interested in that. And then if you look further down, you'll see Search Engine Journal, where you can read my articles. You'll see LinkedIn, where I also engage quite a lot. You won't see Facebook, because I don't like Facebook. Uh, you will see SEMrush. You will see SE Ranking. You'll see WordLift, who are a company I work with an awful lot, doing lots of silly experiments. Um, basically, it gives you the choice, and it shows you exactly where you can engage with me, depending on your preference for how you would want to engage with me, which is the aim of the Google Business Card. Thank you, Jason. That's amazing. I will uh, go home and uh, listen to some uh, French swing jazz this evening and, and contemplate on, on the information I got. Yeah, er Eric's referring, yeah, you're referring to this poster, which is my jazz swing band from the south of France called the Pascal Brothers. And if anybody's in the south of France and wants to come and see us play live music, please do. You'd be more than welcome. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Eric. You come down and see us play music. It'll I will, be cool. for sure. Yes, I will, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs>